What is good? How you living? How you feeling? How you doing? It is the Red Boys coming at you live. If you're not watching this on Facebook, you're missing out. I'm wearing a floral red sweater, and Ingber has the old quarter zip. It's it's not a burgundy. It's not a red. It's just a punch you in your mouth. This combination of yellow and blue. Yeah, this was a white shirt, and then I spilled wine all over it, so I went all the way and just painted it and let you know my daughter Lucy go nuts. It's a Merlot. You nailed it. It's a, it's a Cabernet. <laughs> uh, I was just saying before we started recording, we, we do record these on Thursdays. Big podcast coming up today. Crack Daddy is coming up in a little bit, but we're also going to hear from Matt Harmon, Yahoo Fantasy, and also the creator of Reception Perception. Going to dive into some receivers as we get down the stretch here. But there's two big breaking news stories that we're going to get to before we talk about some playoff odds with my big brain friend, David Ingber. Number one, we're recording this Thursday Night Football, Arizona, Seattle. Oh my goodness. Arizona beat them two weeks ago. Kyler Murray is the King Kong of the MVP train right now. Russell Wilson, is he going to bounce back? And I think I'm going to have to watch this on my computer tonight, Ingber, because it's versus Jeezy versus Gucci Mane. And I have to ask, have you watched any of the versus battles during quarantine at all? No, I have not. Oh, you're but out. <laughs> Cardinals versus Seahawks. I did find this out. This is the 44th time these two teams have been meeting and they are exactly at 500. They're 21, 21 That's, and one. Man. So whoever wins tonight gets supremacy. Who do you think wins though? Jeezy or Gucci man? <laughs> I really don't like to venture into things that I have not any idea what I'm talking in. about. I'm familiar with the concept of rap battles, but I'm not watching specifically what you're talking about. Versus, to me, of all the things that have happened during quarantine, is one of the few things that I went, this is such an amazing creation that we can't do without this now. It really is carpool karaoke, except it's two artists going back and forth playing their songs. And it's somewhat of a battle where it's like you play a song and then I play a song and they kind of go up against each other like that. But really it just turns into like a two to three hour session playing your greatest hits and then eventually getting drunk and being like, yo, like, like Nelly, like, yo, EI, you fucked that up. Like you killed that man. Like, so, and my fiance is one of the biggest cheesy fans ever. So, so you're not well, into good luck it to both competitors. Okay. Yeah, I might have to watch Russell versus Kyler on the pad. It's incredible how many of these matchups are 500 when you zoom out to a historical status. Uh, the other biggest news that we have to talk about is Justin Herbert got a haircut and the internet freaked out. Justin Herbert had, I don't want to call them beautiful locks because he always looked like he just got out of the shower. You know, long haired people that never seem to like have a fully dry hair. He also didn't look like he combed it a lot. But sure. now he got a buzz cut and everyone began going, Justin Herbert got a bad haircut. What was your worst haircut? And I was like, man, I can't imagine being like a 19, 20, 21 year old kid and everyone deciding without asking me, oh no, that haircut sucks. <laughs> um, he he had the like cool kid in high school that doesn't care. And I'm not going to like, that that was his look for a long time and I think mm. he rocked it well. And now he's actually kind of rocking the like preppy in high school that like is joining ROTC next year. So it's, it's just, it's a separate high school archetype, but I like that he's just going from lily pad to lily pad in terms of the high school movie character that he could now portray. 
Yeah, you're right. Like the long haired Justin Herbert before was a little bit of like new kid in school, like little giants, the quarterback junior. When he came in, they're like, who's that kid? And he like flicks his hair to the side. And you're right. The guy that wore a short sleeve t-shirt over a long sleeve t-shirt and talked about music a lot. That was was you. (laughs) I love the gray thermal underneath a a regular t-shirt. Oh, 100%. But now with the buzz haircut, I didn't even think about ROTC. I originally thought of Biff from Back to the Future, like the bully. But he has such an innocent face that he really does look like the little kid in ROTC. Oh, that's really funny. That was what I first saw because clearly he's an athlete and he's Jack, but he's one of those guys that like everyone knows that one kid in high school who was much stronger than everyone else, but didn't know it yet because he never had to prove it. Mm. Right. So I think that's Justin Herbert's high school destiny is to be the superb athlete. And they're like, Hey, why don't you join the football team? He's like, ah, I don't really like hitting people like, well, you could be the quarterback. You could throw. And he's like, all right, fine. And then he just takes off from there because he gets a buzz cut. Man, I'm trying to find, uh, Eh, it doesn't matter. Um, you said that last week, you said that one of the, the best things to look at over the last 10 years was teams that just lost on the road as an underdog. And we named about five or six games, and I just want to update the 33% on how they did statistically last week and if it held true. I'm just curious. I was looking at the road dogs of last week, um, and they went five and five, which is pretty standard because as we know- Against the spread or straight like- up? Against the spread, okay. but I wanted I wanted to point out that it, it it included two of the most epic covers we will ever see. Mm. That's the Browns cover, you know, the uh, the the Texans covering the Browns because Nick Chubb oh. decided to veer off the field, and of course uh, the Bills covering the two and a half point line because Cliff Kingsbury decided to kneel instead of kicking an extra point when he was Ooh. up by two. So just two of the most epic covers I think I can remember in a while was the wow. Bills covering and the Texans covering, um, but also two outright wins among those road dogs. We had the Colts uh, kind of dismantling the Titans 34, 17, mm. and we had the Vikings winning on, uh, on the road at Monday night football. Your favorite bet, unfortunately was the saints uh, against the 49ers. You had the 49ers plus yeah, nine. And that then felt like good. all the Niners guys had COVID and like just wasn't in the cards. Yeah, it, it wasn't. The, but I, I'll say after the first quarter, I was getting ready to text you when they were up 10, nothing. And I, <laughs> I was know, like, yeah. yo, this like, but that, that to me might be the real lesson here that the one thing that I've really enjoyed this season and crack even made a comment last week. You don't have to bet the two most popular bets every week, which is the total and the spread. Mm-hmm. Team totals and halftime totals are something that I'm thinking about more and more because what I'm seeing even last week where it's like if you were betting first quarter totals for San Francisco and Carolina, you won those bets. And so I think that when you when you see things that maybe it doesn't hold true for the entire game, uh, Mike Lombardi says this all the time. There's 30-minute teams, there's 45-minute teams, there's 55-minute teams, and there's 60-minute teams. And 60-minute teams can win the Super Bowl. Chiefs are a 60-minute team. But the Panthers right now are a 30-minute team. You get a half of football from them where they look great, and they just don't have the depth to play for 60 minutes. But they have those first-line guys that can handle it well. The Niners last week were a 15-minute team. So very interesting mm-hmm. to look at. So 50-50. Uh, but you have another statistic that you want to look at for this week. What did you What did you want to target? It's not just a statistic. It's a way of looking at gambling. And I know that you've been into betting, as you mentioned, team uh, overs instead of game overs. Right. So 
uh, I, I think the the value on overs has just officially dissipated for 2020. We had crazy overs for the right. first few weeks. It was up over 70%. It's now come back down. I think it's around 53%. So you're not going to find an Even edge Cardinals safe. Bills that I told crack would be a game in the 30s, and it was, yeah. it took a Hail Mary <laughs> for it to reach that point. So even, even that game where I went Buffalo, Arizona over City, yes, it hit, but it's sort of the reason why I traded Will Fuller in fantasy. It's like, Hey guys, I know he scored a touchdown in six straight weeks, but when you watch the game, you spend three quarters going, where the fuck is this touchdown? And so I agree with you. I don't feel comfortable betting overs at all anymore. I agree. But what I wanted to talk about was the importance, of course, of shopping around. That if you go online, different books have different lines up. They shift at all times. And as you know, lines shift, not depending on what the casinos think, but because of how people are betting. Mm. And since over-unders have been a very popular bet this year, but team totals are not as popular, you'll see line shifts of game over-unders wobbling up and down a lot more than the team totals. Mm. Now, I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Jaguars this week. It's a 10-point line, and as of last night, there was an over-under you could find of 47.5. Now, if I'm going to calculate what that means in terms of the actual game score, let's take 48 since it's just an easier number to deal with. 48 divided by 2 is 24 to 24, right? Since it's a 10-point spread, you go up 5 points for the Steelers and down 5 points for the Jaguars. So you're essentially saying that it's going to be a score of 29 to 19, which is a 10-point spread and adds up to the game total Mm. of 48, right? But then I go on DraftKings and I look at the Steelers over under 27.5. I look at the Jaguars over under 17.5. Add those two together, you're only at 45 points. So it's an interesting thing that the over under has been bet up to 47.5. But if you look at the teams, they only add up to 45. So there's there just seems to be two and a half point, two and a half points of value. Now, whether you want to bet so much, that's a lot of points. So it depends on where you shop around. Now, if you like the under for the game, if you have some intel, again, I'm not telling you how to bet here. Right. I'm just saying if you have some intel that says there's going to be under, then you want to go with the 47.5. But if you have some intel that this is going to be over, maybe bet the team totals and you might actually have a bonanza by being right on both the Jaguars and the Steelers and ending up with a push if, if you're only right on one of the two. Mm. What was the Steelers team total there one more time? 27.5 is what they had on DraftKings. I mean, that's the one you go with. Right. Sure. If you really believe that the Steelers can put up a lot of points on the Jaguars, that to me feels more enticing than going with a 48 point or 47 and a half Hell, point total yeah. for the entire game. The Steelers-Jaguars is a perfect example of the last thing I need is a score of 27 or of 30 to, to 7. And I'm relying on uh, Jake sure. Luton to score. Uh, you may have just given me one of my bets. All right. What was the team total again for Pitt? One more time for my brain. So as I said, I calculated it from the over-under yeah. total. It should be about 29 to 19 or maybe 28 to 19, 28 to 18, depending yeah. on. But on DraftKings right now, the Steelers over-under is 27.5 as a team. So it just feels like you're getting an extra point, half point, one and a half points, which as you know, that extra half point can mean the difference between winning and losing. Oh. That extra half a point of value, why not bet for that? If you if you like the Steelers over anyway, go with the one that gives you an extra 0.5 points. Yeah, you know what, though? You know why I'm probably not going to do it? Okay. Because it's, um, what did I say two weeks ago that you need to be worried about? Pittsburgh Road 1 o'clock games. Big Ben. You did mention that, yeah. Okay, I'm not betting it. Let's Can you, <laughs> can you star that? And let's talk about it because I want to see if this Big Ben one o'clock thing, like I I know it's real. I just want to confirm it's real. Um, we're getting it's 
how do you feel the fact that we're getting ready for week 11 and the season is flying by, but at the same time, it's also the, the, the year is fast and slow at the same time. Mm-hmm. And like the playoffs are around the corner right now. And this is usually the time of the year where I go, let's savor this because in three months we're going to miss it. You know, um, I don't know. What is your perception of time right now? Uh, my perception of time is just get me to Sunday so that I can watch the undoing on HBO max. That's really all I care about these days. I don't know what that is. Oh, it's the Nicole Kidman, Hugh Grant show that has gripped the nation. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, every year people talk about the 17 weeks, but if you're working as we are on the NFL and a lot of people out there, they, they are doing something in media or they're gambling. So it's like, it's, a, it's an entire season for them where yeah. even if your team is out of it, a week 11 is the halfway point. Cause it's about a 21, 22, 23, maybe with COVID 24 week season. Mm. So we're at about the halfway point, but you're right. It is, it is time to savor it. And I do think the year just feels like it accelerates starting in November because there's so many checkpoints. Right. Um, I know that my rest of the year, my happiness will be really determined by how Jalen Rager does. Mm. And you messaged me before the show and you said, Hey, Adam, have you seen the video yet of the Vikings during the draft? And then I thought in my head, I was like, why would they put a video out of them in the draft? Oh, maybe because Justin Jefferson had another huge game on Monday night. And all right. So I have not seen this video. Ingber wanted me to watch it today. It is the Vikings apparently reacting to when they found out that even though the Eagles had the pick in front of them and needed a wide receiver, that they didn't take Justin Jefferson. I have not seen that yet, this yet. We are going to watch it in three, two, one. Music's good. They did. They got Jeff Gladney at a TCU. He's going to take. Do you remember when I exploded during this? Yes, I do. There's Doug. He's smiling. Doug Peterson. Pick is in. We're on the clock. Look at these guys. Why did they both freeze? They didn't get him. I'm on it. Look how excited they are. He stood up. I mean, they're they're legit. I I feel like that's about as much emotion as you're gonna get from football guys in the middle of a draft. They're they're basically getting up from their chairs. Like I can't believe the Eagles passed on. They this were guy. literally trying to figure out backup plans. And then he landed. Look, Legit, I'm going to be really honest. I feel bad for Jalen Rieger. I agree with what he said earlier, which is like he hasn't been hurt and I have been hurt and it's completely. But we knew that they were going to be compared to each other the rest of their careers. But yep. the fact that the Vikings and a very good drafting GM uh, in the Vikings, the fact that they lost their mind that they got Justin Jefferson really just hits me in the chest even more. Dana. And again, I wasn't trying to rub the salt in the wound. I was just as a, as a friend texting you like, Hey, did you see this thing that was kind of making the rounds today? And, uh, damn. Yeah. I did, didn't mean to bum you out. No, it's okay. I still have hope for Jalen Rieger, but we had to see that. 
Okay, we're we're still uh we're gonna be uh you know what? If we're gonna talk wide receivers, let's bring in Matt Harmon because that is something that he knows really well. This is uh one of the the big writers over there at Yahoo Football. He is also the creator of Reception Perception. Rat Matt, normally I would uh really do like a hello off camera, but I really want to get into it right away because I just watched the Vikings reaction to Justin Jefferson being drafted. And I'm still getting over the fact that the Eagles took Jalen Rager and I love Jalen Rager. Um, but it's hard to watch, bro. It's not that I think Rager is going to be a bad player. Cause I actually like Jalen Rager a lot. And I think he's going to be good the rest of the way, but it's just, it's just that comparison, man. Cause like, I think this 2020 crop of rookie receivers has been unbelievable. I mean, probably exceeded the height definitely like I, I thought this was going to be a really good class but then you look at just how fast they took the league by storm right yeah. like they were immediately good especially after this weird offseason but I think Jefferson's been the best of the bunch uh and you know his situations is, pro- is, is probably better than it would have been you know coming coming into a situation like where like CeeDee Lamb was my favorite guy coming into the year but then obviously chaos hits Dallas you know Jerry Judy's another great player, but he's obviously got a shaky quarterback Ayuk. there in Denver. Yeah, Ayuk yeah. has been good. All of these guys have been good, but I think the best of the bunch, the most pro-ready guy, like playing as a sort of a more explosive Keenan Allen Jr. type, that's Justin Jefferson. I think he's been the best of the bunch. Yeah, so it's he just it's just the look of the way he moves sometimes. He gets the ball in his hand, and there's certain guys in the league that you go – that could go for six at any moment. And he has that potential, and yeah. not every guy has that potential. Uh, I see behind you it says trading for elite wide receivers is smart. It was actually making me think when you were talking about 2020, this is two drafts in a row where the wide receivers have come in immediately and have had a huge impact, whether mm-hmm. it's DK. DK and A.J. Brown are, in my mind, like top 10 guys already. Um, but yep. l- let me just kind of let you set the table. You're the creator of Reception Perception. And I want to know yes. what what made you want to create it. And for people that haven't experienced it yet, uh, how would you describe it to people? Well, Adam, I think anybody that uh, wants to cover football professionally, whether you uh, if you're just a joker like me that, you know, isn't a former player, uh, doesn't have like league connections or anything like that. You've got to sort of stand out. You've got to bring something different to the table. And my path to sort of do that was to take the biggest question that I had about football and try to be the guy that answers it. And for me, it was wide receivers, you know, on Sundays, obviously they run off the screen about 90% of the time when we're watching games, you know, these are guys that are operating. We're lucky if we get to see them get 10 targets in a game, you know, most of what they're doing is away from the typical view of us watching games on Sunday. So I wanted to know what are they up to, you know, because wide receiver production what are they is so doing over there. In- <laughs> right. Like, well, it's wide receiver production is so inherently dependent on all these other variables. Uh, like you got to have a good quarterback, right? You've got to have a quarterback that's going to decide to throw you the ball. You've got to have an offensive line. That's going to give that quarterback enough time to deliver the pass. You've got to be in a system that's going to accentuate your strengths, but really the only thing that the wide receiver can control is how often they create separation, how often they run good routes, how often they get open against press, man, zone, 
whatever. And that's essentially what reception perception is. It's a system that I developed in 2014. I've covered the last six years of the league from 2014 to 2020. I'll be back at it in 2021, trying to measure each player's individual success rate against man, zone, press on a variety of different routes. So really it's trying to quantify the qualifiable realities of route running. And it's not, you know, just numbers that I'm pulling out of the air. Essentially what I do is over an eight game, eight game sample for every player uh, in the NFL, you know, that's fantasy relevant or relevant to just the viewing public. I'm going to go in and I chart every single route that they run. So watch a lot of film on wide receivers over the last uh, six to seven years. Uh, and wait, it's- so Matt, so now you've done this since 2014. What was the first player or guy that you got done in off season where you watched all this film and then you said, I just, I see something here and it hit the next year and you went, oh man, all of these things that I'm tracking, it let, wh- who was the guy that gave you that hope? Yeah, it was Allen Robinson. Uh, it's the easiest, like, slam dunk, biggest hit of the series. Mm. You know, in 2014, the first year I started collecting full season samples on on a variety of different guys. So him and Blake Bortles are just putting up huge numbers. <laughs> well, he's putting up, you know, uh, huge individual yeah. success rates on his own. And, like, you got to remember his rookie season that in that great 2014 class, probably the last, like, great elite class we saw before this year's you know he was a guy that sort of got lost in the shuffle because he had an injury his rookie year I think it was a toe issue uh you know they drafted Marquise Lee ahead of him Alan Hearns as an undrafted free agent mm. you know he kind of burst people were talking about Odell from that draft once he had the catch nobody talked about anybody else right and there was still like Sammy Watkins Mike Evans uh Jarvis Landry was productive in his rookie year uh, people were excited about Dante Moncrief. Like, remember Dante Moncrief? So, like, there are all these guys. And then Robinson, you know, sort of lost in the shuffle uh, as a guy that Jordan was down there in Matthews. Jacksonville. Yeah, even right, Jordan Matthews. Uh, man, uh, just not to twist the Jefferson knife a little, it's but okay. I remember – yeah, that's all right. I remember people <laughs> were, like, comparing Jordan Matthews to Justin Jefferson. And is there, like, a you know – can we really go back to that big slot type? It's like, man, just watch Jefferson. Like they're not the they're same not player the same at all, game, but not, not, not even close. But yeah, Robinson was a guy who was getting open as the rookie on levels of like an NFL stud receiver. He was the second best uh, player in terms of reception, perception, success rate versus man coverage, which is the main metric of the series just behind Odell among those rookies. So I wrote an article on my own site. This was before I worked for NFL Network and obviously way before I worked now for Yahoo Sports, um, essentially saying, like, this guy's going to be the next big breakout receiver. He goes out and catches 14 touchdowns, leads the NFL in that category the next year. Yeah, pretty decent hit there uh, to get the yeah. series rolling. And Robinson and I have met a few times in real life. Uh, you know, we, we go back and forth every now and again. I've gotten a chance to thank him for, like, literally, without you, man, I don't know if this is possible. So I appreciate him uh, for being awesome to uh, get my career rolling there. Kelsey, when I talk to him about Mahomes, he talks about it like he has a second lease on life. And nothing against Alex Smith, but what he's able to do and what how it's changed the trajectory of his career is crazy. And so when I tell Allen Robinson, listen, man, the light the world out there is not just Christian Hackenberg, Blake Bortles, Mitchell Trubisky, and the the corpse of Nick Foles. Like there's other people out there. I can't wait for Allen Robinson's career to just go even higher. But I know the respect from everybody, and whether it's the fantasy community or even the real football community. It's adoration for what he's been able to accomplish, all things considered. 
Yeah, I mean, it's really unbelievable because you also start to see people raise the standards for him as an individual too, to adjust for the situation that he's in. Like I had people tweeting at me after that Monday night game, you know, oh, he should have made this catch or he should have made that catch. It's like, you're asking this guy to pull in the most high degree of difficulty catches possible. I love that you're protective of oh, Allen so, Robinson now. So protective. And it's, it's not just him, man. I mean, when you spend as much time like, watching these routes and like watching these receivers and, yeah. and you get you get, I don't know it's it, this is why I love football so much is like you let's do that let's do let's do not the Harmon top five okay but the Harmon favorite five the guys that maybe don't get as much respect though that always jump out and you legitimately enjoy watching them it doesn't have to be five but who are the names that come to mind yeah I think well Coming into this year, that guy was easily Terry McLaurin to me, uh, and he's a guy that's delivered oh. too. I mean, oh my God! Like this, this player, like we talked about Robinson winning, winning at the rate of an NFL like number one receiver as a rookie. McLaurin was that guy, but probably to like another degree. Uh, he's a guy in reception wow. perception that was over the 90th percentile in success rate versus man press, like wins across the route tree. And this was in his rookie year. And now you're seeing him as a guy like no matter what happens in Washington. And this is when you know that you're an elite receiver, right? Like we've, we've seen DeAndre Hopkins do it. You know, Robinson, 98 catches last year. Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald. And Robinson on pace for 100 this year. You know, McLaurin is now producing – as a top 10 receiver, you know, first in yards after the catch, making it happen no matter what, whether it's Haskins, Kyle Allen, now Alex Smith. This guy's got seven-plus targets in every single game. He's been a stud. Like, that's a player that for sure is in my, like, top five guys because he's just an immediate – like, you see it right away. You have to be, you know, clueless to not know he's going to be a great receiver. Mm. I mean, yeah, right. He's performing with those quarterbacks. It's crazy. That's why I just said Larry Fitzgerald because I thought about all those years in Arizona with non-Kurt Warner quarterbacks. Allen Robinson, Terry McLaurin, who else cracks the list? Well, we tweeted about this last week, Lef Lefko, but it's easily uh, – it's actually – I'm going to go with both – Bill. can I group both Smoke. Bill's receivers into one? Because Diggs has been another one uh, that mm. was a successful breakout call. Like, he was another player that as soon as he hit the NFL field as a rookie, and he's, you know, was a day three pick, I think. Like, was he fifth round, fourth round? I don't even remember at this point because at this point he's fifth. maybe the fourth or fifth best receiver in the NFL. Like, this was a player that was winning, like, A-B style in terms of, like, how often he's getting open from pretty much the jump of his NFL mm -hmm. career. So I would actually put Diggs and John Brown in there. And Brown's another one that, like, Man, I have been so protective over John Brown because, you know, he's a player that has gone through a lot of ups and downs in his career. You know, he starts off like right away essentially looking like the next T.Y. Hilton in uh, Bruce Arians' mm. offense as an Arizona Cardinals player. Then he has the injury issues, and he's coming back in, in and out of the lineup. Then he goes to Baltimore. It has, you know, is on pace for a 1,000-yard season before they change that offense for Lamar Jackson to fit him as a rookie quarterback. Then he goes to Buffalo, and, like, before they get digs, he was their clear-cut, like, every sort of usage metric you want to look at, efficiency mm -hmm. metric, he was their number one receiver. And I think that the Bills, in terms of, like, pure separators, they probably have the best duo in the league in terms of John Brown and Stefan Diggs. Mm. And then I'd have to put Tyler Lockett on the list uh, as well. You know, everyone's all about DK Metcalf. I'm all about DK Metcalf, man. This was – a player that I compared to Des Bryant coming into the league. And I think he's been mm. that type of like, it doesn't matter that he's not the most nuanced guy. He separates and wins 
at a level that you're looking at for stud receivers and reception perception because he's a freak athlete. And he's also really underrated mm. as a guy getting off the line of scrimmage. But Lockett's another one. Super protective over him, too, because, like, you know, he was a player that I called as a breakup guy in 2016. It didn't happen for a couple of years after that, but now I think people know that he is part of what I think is a clear top five wide receiver duo with him, if not the, the very best in the league, with him and DK Metcalf. That's funny. We had this discussion on Monday, the best trios, and uh, Dallas, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, uh, and Tampa Bay – uh, were the ones Ingber said it would be Kelsey Tyree kill and whoever you want yeah, right. is the reason they'd be up there. But there's uh, what about the opposite side? Who are the wide receivers that get national acclaim that when you watch, you go, I don't see the separation and the reputation right now is exceeding the production. So I think this is always an interesting topic to talk about with reception perception, because I think what like I've made statements about the data like I always say that the data is always right, you know, like the data is always telling the truth of the matter, but sometimes it's up to the interpreter to get it right. And Absolutely. sometimes that comes back to me. And I think I've made statements about players on reset, like based on their reception perception data, you know, back in 2016, 2015, that I would not make now. And I think after having six plus seasons, you know, we'll have seven this year um, of data to look at. I think what I know for sure is that reception perception is much better at telling you who is good versus who is bad. I mean, there, mm. there are players for sure. You know, we could talk about guys like Marquise Lee, Devin Funches, um, Justin Hunter. Justin Hunter remains like that 2014 season still the absolute stone worst that I've ever uh, charted, you know, in terms of the bottom, like the, the first percentile yeah. in terms of se separation. So there have been – I haven't heard that name or then who was the guy the Jet – was it Blackman? Justin Blackman, Yeah. Justin Blackman. I mean, like guys that were supposed to be revolutionary wide receivers that you just didn't see. There are. Yeah, right. There are, there are some, I could like take you through the database of all these guys that I've charted since, you know, 2000, uh, 2014. And there are some weird, weird names in there, man. I'm talking like, I've got a Bruce Ellington season in here. Um, I've got, uh, well, Keelan Cole's actually kind of popped back up. So he's not so random anymore. A little bit. Punt return on Sunday. Yeah, right. Had a touchdown catch too. So, yeah, no, I mean, there are some real random guys in there. But, I, like, I think one thing that's really important to talk about with reception perception and just wide receivers in general is deployment really matters. So there are guys, you know, like Cooper Cup and Juju Smith-Schuster come to mind, you know, that they've, based on their production, people might think like, oh, these are guys that are in the same tier as sort of Allen Robinson type guys or, you know, some that not the very top of the league, but maybe that bottom level number one receiver. But the role that Juju is playing versus guys like Chase Claypool or Deontay Johnson within that within that roster, and then certainly when he was there with Antonio Brown, it's just almost like playing a totally different position, man, than guys like that are winning on the outside as either the X or the flanker. And that big slot position, it's and it's not a knock on these guys. It's 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 great coaching to find a player like Juju and say, okay. This guy probably cannot separate, cannot get open on the outside despite the way he looks because he's a big physical wide receiver. But where can we find the best place to use him? Throw him in that big slot role. And Sean McVay, what he's done with Cooper Cup, like if Cooper Cup had gone to maybe 31 other NFL teams, I don't know that he's ever putting up the numbers that he has so far because McVay has found ways to get him against – like in, as a matter of fact, actually, in reception perception history – no player has run more routes versus zone coverage or fewer routes versus press coverage than Cooper Cup. 
in his uh, 2019 mm. and 2018 season. So it's a very unique role. And it's just about finding that's crazy. It's about, it's about finding ways to accentuate players' strengths and not having them get lost in the shuffle. That's how good good coach. Like I would argue that the Steelers don't have some sort of skeleton key to scouting wide receivers. I think they actually just have a, a really good sense of how to deploy guys and where they fit within wide receiver archetypes. That's an interesting one, though, because I know like a lot of fantasy people, they look at the Steelers and they go, I got Claypool and Deontay, and I don't know who to play this week. Just by looking, though, at uh, the way they get off routes and all that, who is the best wide receiver on the Steelers? I would say right now at this moment, it's Deontay Johnson because he was a guy coming mm. into this year was at the 88th percentile in terms of success rate versus man uh, and press coverage. And pretty much throughout the history of reception perception, if you clear that 80th percentile, at some point you're going to have a thousand yard season. There's a few outliers in there. Mm. Looking at you, Curtis Samuel, another guy that I'm very fiercely protective over. He probably would be. He's playing well he is though. Playing right well. Now. I don't know that he's going to have a thousand yards this year. Hey, maybe at some no. point goes to a new team. We'll, we'll see. But you know, there are very few outliers in terms of the guys that have cleared that metric and then don't go on to have a thousand yard season. So Johnson was a player I was really in on, you know, in like the sixth, seventh round of fantasy drafts this year. I thought he had a chance to outproduce Juju this year. I didn't see much like a lot of these rookie receivers. If there was one thing I was wrong about this year, it was I thought rookies would come along a little slowly. Uh, we had Greg Jennings on uh, one of our shows, and he was like, you actually might need to rethink that take. I probably should have listened to Greg a little bit more on that one because – What was his reasoning? His reasoning was actually that a lot of guys in the NFL are going to be so attached to their routine when it comes to veteran guys. You know, this is what I do every single offseason. This is how I, I, I function every year. I yeah. get into, you know, the schedule, the, the maintenance, the routine part of it of an NFL offseason – obviously just thrown completely out of whack. He said, he said, I don't think a lot of veteran guys are going to be prepared for that for rookies. They just got to kind of come in and be themselves like, and, adapt. and, and I, I think we've seen a lot of that from, and obviously it could just be that this is just a great rookie receiver class. Some of the running backs have actually probably started a little slower than we would. No, but I feel like all the rookies, especially the quarterbacks, you know, yeah. even though they've lost, but Herbert's look good. Burroughs look comfortable Two is having moments. And it's interesting that actually not having a routine may have helped the rookies adapt better because these rookies have it in their head from the time that their season ended that was, I need to be willing to adapt to anything because they, they hear it so many times now. You don't really have an offseason. Yeah. You have to change. That's, that's interesting. What, where do you have Devontae Adams? Oh, <laughs> uh, like the elite of the elite. Actually, I'm so glad you asked about Devontae Adams because he is incredibly interesting because for the most part, man, like these – receivers are like these metrics with these receivers they're pretty stable uh you know once a guy finds his groove in the nfl they sort of stay at that same place uh they stay in in the general vicinity you know whether it's five percentage points when you're looking at success rate versus man press zone whatever Devontae mm. adams is probably the outlier of all outliers because he was a guy who came in and i think this speaks to just how impressive of a player he is. By the way, Devontae Adams was in that 2014 draft. Yes. Too. Oh, I mean, and he looked like a guy that was going to be a total bust after 2015. In reception perception yep. from his rookie – in his rookie year, he finished at the first percentile, like, in reception perception success rate versus man coverage. The very bottom. First? Yeah, which is not good. For, for those of you out there who are not uh, big math folks – you don't want to be in the first percentile. <laughs> that means you're at the literal like bottom of the league in terms of getting open, in terms of oh, separating. 
Now you flash forward to 2018, he's at the 99th percentile. So I'm talking like from the bottom to the top. And that is an unbelievable jump. It's unprecedented. There's no one else through the history of the last six years that I've been working with this data that has done anything close to that. So I, I truly believe like if you were starting a team right now and you could pick one wide receiver to build everything around, I think you would have to take Devontae mm. Adams because, you know, mm. think about – I think that he would win no matter who the quarterback is. Um, you know, you look at guys like DeAndre Hopkins, obviously one of the best boundary receivers in the NFL. He's, uh, he's a great separator as well, but he's most known – I'm going to put – I'm just going to name receivers here too because what you just said, I know that Devontae has been wanting to hear this for a very long time. So the other op, DK Metcalf, is another guy. Yeah. I just wanted, I'm just going to say a name and you tell me why Devontae is, is better? in your mind better. Well, I think it's just the craft and the um, ability to win no matter what the coverage is. And it's the smooth release off the line of scrimmage. And, and it's no shot to DK because I think he's, he's already reaching those heights and maybe he, is, he truly could become the next Calvin Johnson or whatever. But you look at Devontae Adams, like he's unguardable. And it's, it's not because he's a freak athlete. And this is what I tell people about receivers all the time. Like, you could be fast. You could be the most gifted athlete that there is out there. But if you don't have the craft down, if you don't have the timing and the rhythm within your routes, you're, you're going to get locked up. Like, Devontae Parker is a guy who took forever to get there in terms of his athleticism. Like, he had all the athletic gifts, but none of the craft. Now we're seeing sort of those meld together, and he's leveled out in his career. And I think it's a good spot for him to be at. But Adams is that guy that, like I said, became from one of the worst to the, the, the perhaps the best route runner in the NFL. So I think that's why I would take him over uh, an athletic guy like Metcalf. What does your, your metric say about like Tyreek Hill? Yeah, Tyreek Hill is another like we talked earlier about um, Allen Robinson, John Brown, you know, Tyler Lockett, some of these hits that people um, you know, really know if they followed reception perception over the year, they they've. They've drafted these guys on their fantasy team and, and they're, you know, they constantly kind of like, they associate that Harmon five with the brand mm. and that's, that's great. But there are a few I calls that. that like, I actually feel like I want to backpat myself a little more on like a little quietly. And one of them was Tyreek Hill actually, because I remember after his rookie year in fantasy drafts, you know, people didn't really want, like he was, he was going really high, but some people were kind of bearish on him because they compared him to the Tavon Austin, the, the Cordero Patterson. Mm. Um, I have never uh, hated myself enough to log a Tavon Austin season in reception perception, but there are some, there are some Cordero Patterson ones in there. And, you know, this is a guy in Patterson that's like at a 49% success rate burst man coverage. That's towards the, the below the 10th percentile in the league. Obviously mm. that's not surprising given that he's like playing running back now. So, no one's no one's surprised by that but he was that gadget player people wanted to say that hill could was just a gadget guy but not the case man you could see immediately from his rookie season he was clearing the 70 percent success rate versus man coverage range like he wasn't running a ton of routes as a rookie because he was getting the sweeps he was actually playing a lot of running back as a rookie as a rookie exactly but the times that he did go out there and run traditional routes whether it's you know the curl the comeback the post the dig he was getting separation at the level of a starting NFL receiver. So reception perception has always been very mm. excited about, about Tyreek Hill. And that's one of those calls that it's like, this is what you need a series like this for. You need some lunatic like me to go in and watch all these routes and chart how often these guys are getting open to show you. This is not just some Tavon Austin. This is, I've always said he's like the, the second coming of Steve Smith because Smith is like a, 
a fast, aggressive guy, but also wins at the catch point. You know, he's small, but he way outplays mm. that that size. Completely outjump people. Exactly. And that's what I think Tyreek Hill has always been. Do you have a name for the system? You've referred to it as reception perception, but do you have like a pet name for it? Like I was talking to someone that had a startup where their the name of their messaging system was known as Carl. And when they had to move on to a, a new messaging system to update the technology, they like did a full like funeral for Carl. Do you have really? a name for reception perception? Yeah, I'm just curious. No, it's just always been reception perception. And um, to be honest, uh, I solicited like ideas on Facebook when I was, you know, in 2014 Ooh. to help me like name. Uh, actually, no, this was 2013 was when I actually started like testing this out, right? Because I was not happy with the place I was in in my life. And, you know, I, I was just trying to figure out like, what if I could make football a career? You know, I love to write. I love uh, football. I love like screwing around on this website that I've, uh, that I've created or whatever. Like, what if I tried mm. to, what if I tried to make this a career and I had to, like I said, do something unique to do that. Uh, so I started charting receivers. I, my dad actually tells this story where like he came into my uh, crappy one bedroom apartment that I was living in, in Lynchburg, Virginia at the time. And there are just these papers strewn all over the floor. This is like the end of 2013. And he's like, what, you know, what the hell are you, are you doing in here? And I was like, I'm working on something. It's from my website. It's called reception perception. I'm working on it. It's a wide receiver thing. So, I mean, it's always been reception perception. And I, I would say, and what did he think? He's like, uh, good luck. Don't quit your day job. <laughs> and here we are. This is the day job now. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, obviously I'm joking, but he was very supportive and everything like that. Yeah, man, it was, it's, uh, no, but at the same time, like I, I love journeys like that. Cause there's always this process where you're trying to achieve independence or success in something. And there is a hundred percent doubt. And sometimes it's not vocalized as you're not going to be able to do it. Sometimes it's voc vocalized as, Matt, I'm worried about you. Be careful. And it's, it's, it's vocalized to you as fear. Mm -hmm. um, how do you, this is now just getting into like being a human. Your story is one of like personal achievement. How do you maintain joy to the daily grind? Because eventually for everybody, even though people will look at you and say, man, you really have a dream job. In your head, you're going, you don't know how fucking hard this is. How do you maintain the joy of, of doing something that does require so much of your time and effort. Yeah. I think that I know that I'm really lucky to be here, right? Like that's, that's one thing, you know, not just here in terms of having this job being a part of, you know, the very select lucky few that gets to cover football professionally. And like, this is my job. This is my only source of income. Uh, I know I'm lucky to do that, but I'm also just lucky to be here, uh, you know, as a citizen of planet earth, man. And like, I'm lucky to be a part of the human experience. And I think that knowing that I'm fortunate, um, that creates joy in and of itself. It also creates an, a, like a, a desire to want to keep pushing and keep wanting to earn that spot. Because, you know, especially when you're talking about like covering fantasy, you know, there, it's a huge house, right? Like there, there's plenty of space in the house. Like you want to start a website, you can start a website. You want to get out there on Twitter, post a bunch of threads of stats. Like somebody will find you if you're putting out good content. There's plenty of freelance opportunities. There's so many websites that are creating content. But the, I always say there are very few seats at the table. You know, what I, and what I mean by that is like a job in the space, like that you hold down and like you, you provide for yourself and those in your family, everything like that. 
I know that I'm very fortunate to have one of those seats and I know that I never want to give it up. And the work is the joy, man, because I love, I love football and I love, uh, it's just a dork as hell thing to say, but I love learning stuff. And like, I love to learn, uh, more about the game. Uh, and I know that the harder you work, the more opportunities come to you. And, you know, you know this too, man, because like you get to sit in with these guys too and be able to say like, yeah, when I talk to Devonte Adams or Allen Robinson or uh, T- Travis Kelsey, whatever, you know, and I can reflect on conversations I've had, like being able to tell, Hey, Stefan Diggs, like in my system that I created, you're the best route runner in the NFL. What do you, what do you think about that? You know, and like being able to, to go back and forth to these guys. So th- the harder you work, those are the opportunities that come your way. And that in and of itself creates joy um, I also just couldn't really imagine myself having like a quote real job uh, now at this point. So as hard as it is to tell, you know, my fiance's parents, like what it is I do as for a job uh, it's, it is, it is a good place to be in. And like I said, the work I think in and of itself creates joy and just continuing to push at that is really. And that was the other thing that I had is, is like there's joy in doing, but then there's also joy in evolution. And I think yeah. one thing that is really frustrating for a lot of people that get into some form of creative space is you get into the act of wanting to perfect something you're doing. And then there's the question, now what? Yeah. And so I'm curious, like once you get a system and it's giving you back this feedback, I know yours is a little bit different because you're so much of your information is from you actually watching it. Um, but how do what what do you think uh have you had thoughts of what you would want it to evolve into uh and how often do, does that thinking come into your brain oh all the time and you know whether it's like what will where will reception perception be in 3 to 5 years or something like that there i'm always thinking about stuff like that and i think the the bigger thing is just trying to find more ways to express the content and show the results more so than you know, I don't really actually want to tweak the system too much because, you know, then you're getting into a point where, like I said, I, I, I make statements now on reception perception that I know are much smarter than the ones that I made three years ago because it's just the larger sample size you have. You know, now there's over 250 players in the database. That gives you a lot more power to be able to compare year over year, uh, compare players to each other, whatever you want to do. The larger your sample size is, the more the more power you have with it. So it's almost like I don't really want to tweak the system very much. What I want to do is find ways to apply the content, find ways to express it to people. Because, you know, if there's one thing, I think it's so great that there's so much data now to show people. Because I think analytics are the best way to tell, like, what happened within a game. Totally. I, I still think you need people that are smart that watch the game and like guys who have played the game to tell you why things happen. Like I can tell you that Devonte Adams gets uh, open at the 99th percentile, that he's one of the best separators in the NFL. You still need Devonte Adams or those people that are watching the game to tell you, well, why is he so good at that? So, right. I think that there's always a great way to do that, but I think the hardest thing to do with, with data and, and you can get overloaded on it is if you don't, have a good way to present it if you don't have a good way to to tell tell the I story think everybody i really wish that um everybody in all of the analytics communities this is such a random call watch neil degrasse tyson's master class and the reason is is he has a whole section where he he says before he does a tv interview 
he go he literally comes up with a presentation in his mind of a simple way to express astrophysics mm-hmm. and to me it's like i'm getting very deep into sports cards right now and part of the reason why the community is enjoying me is they're all looking at it from an investment perspective and they're using like really stock market algorithms mm-hmm. and showing like all that and i'm coming in and being like let's tell a story about this right. And, and I just, anecdotal evidence is so much more powerful than numbers for people. And one, that's complete nonsense and it shouldn't be the case, but you should also realize that that is the case. And how can I turn my great statistics and analytics into great anecdotes? And I think that's, that to me, I think you're right, is the next evolution of analytics is like really a practical and enjoyable application of them. Yeah, people love stories and they, they want to be told a good narrative. And like we can laugh at that as much as we want, uh, but that's the way people operate. And so what do you want? Like what is your goal when you're presenting your data set or whatever? Do you want people to trust it and find value in it and come back for more of it? Or do you just want to beat people over the head with information? And if that's your goal, then go for it. You know, post, post your graph and like with no context or whatever and, and let it be that way. But when I came up with reception perception, that was a big thing for me. It was, how am I going to, how, how can I make this easily digestible for people that aren't used to consuming this type of heavy numbers-based content? And I think that's been always a, a focus of the series. So for me, it, it really is like, you got to have the story along with the stats. You've got to have, um, you've got to have a good way of presenting it, making it easily consumable for people. So that's something that I think I'm always focusing on with reception perception. Um, you know, as the series evolves. Hey guys, guess what? My fucking internet sucks again, but you know, who doesn't suck Matt Harmon. Cause he literally sat here while I tried to figure it out that entire time, Matt, I'm going to leave it off with this. Is there anything that you are thinking ahead of the end of this football season, going into the playoffs that you're seeing receiver wise that the rest of the NFL world is not talking about anything that catches your attention. Yeah, my question pretty much every single month of the year, which is, it's just which of these rookie receivers is going to be next? Uh, And to Mm. me, a guy to look out for is Michael Pittman uh, from USC. We saw him flash on Thursday night, over 100 yards, had another big rushing uh, carry too. And to me, man, like Phillip Rivers, other than the, like there's two or three just absolute horrible mistakes that you're just you're just gonna have to live with that that's the philip rivers experience at yes. this point for sure and throughout the, the the big portion of his career but the colts have really to me lacked a guy with juice you know ty i think is on way way down the back nine of his career at this point you know paris campbell's been ir for on ir for a long time Pittman himself was on ir a little bit too this offense clearly needed a big play element if they're truly going to be a playoff team if they're going to win the afc south if they're going to win a playoff game and I think Pittman is a big part of that. So, like, he's a guy that I think could is be Is he getting a separation penny. when you watch him? Yes, yeah. I think, mm. like, people view him – it's actually funny. We talk about Allen Robinson at the top. Like, Robinson, people thought of him as just a big play, down-the-field, contested catch guy. But then when you really watch him, and especially he's developed into this guy over the last couple of years of his career, he's a player who wins short, intermediate, and deep. I think Pittman at USC showed that he has – the sort of route savvy to eventually be a guy that wins short, intermediate, and deep. Like he might never become an Allen Robinson type of guy, 
but I think he could be on that Kenny Galladay axis where he becomes just a good enough separator to uh, enjoy all of those physical downfield contested catch gifts. So he's, a, I think, mm-hmm. definitely a player that the Colts need to not just emerge and be a splash guy, but to be what they hoped he was. And like Frank Reich mm-hmm. said coming out of the draft, this is a guy that we view as one of, if not the very best receiver in this 2020 draft class that's stocked with good guys. If Pittman can continue to keep up this momentum, I love him this week against uh, the Packers too. If you're looking for like cheap DFS plays or, or a sleeper or something like that, I think just in general, the Colts kind of need this guy to emerge. Jonathan Taylor has been a disappointment as a rookie running back. They need Colt Pittman to be a hit as a, as a rookie receiver for sure. Man, I love it. Yeah, because Jonathan Taylor has been rough, but Pittman is yes. back healthy and showing life. Matt, I appreciate your patience. I appreciate all your hard work. If you guys have not checked out Reception Perception yet, now you have a better understanding of what it is. But Matt's also out there killing it with Yahoo, so check that shit out as well. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate you, bro. I appreciate you, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Looking forward to uh, to and, kicking it the rest and I, of the year. I want to have another conversation sometime in the offseason where we can get really deep diving into some stuff if you're down. Book it, man. I, I'm awesome. looking forward to it. It's going to be great. It's going to be a good offseason for Reception Perception. I'll just leave people with that little little tease there. Hashtag Love Reception it. Perception if, you, if they, people want to check it out. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you, bro. It's deep dive interview time. Tell us something we don't already know, won't you? We are now joined by some would say an absolute legend, a beast on the block, Jonas Valanchunas. Great to have you here. <laughs> Travis Kelsey, everybody. Uh, hello, everybody. Nice to meet you. Um, Travis is joining us. What a guy. I tried, to get a picture. I tried to get a picture with him, man, and he bossed me, man. He just, he just was... He would just ran right off the floor, man. I felt. Oh, so it was on a basketball. Little. Court. Yeah, it was. Which was, I mean, you're at work. I get yeah. it, but man, it just ruined. As a kid, I was really excited to meet Jonas, and just haven't had that opportunity. Are yet. you the same age? Is he that much older than you? I think so. I think we yeah. are the same. As a kid, what do you mean? The kid. Oh, in me. I I thought like you. I'm so excited to meet this, uh, this awesome basketball player that looks exactly mm-hmm. like me. Man, and I went up to him, and he kind of just have kept you talked to Mama Kelsey about maybe we lost one, and like Jonas is just maybe you and Jason's third brother. And I haven't talked to Mama Kelsey about it, but I do realize now that I have Lithuanian in me. I am, I yeah. now, and I didn't know that going. I have to do. I have to do the rest of the research and see what else I have in me. But I know I have. You know what I don't need research on? Why you're here today? Old Spice, man, there recently announced a 10 year initiative to help all young guys feel confident in their own skin. Uh, Let's start there. You've been with Old Spice for as long as I can remember. Like even at like Super Bowls years ago, you were an Old Spice shirt. What are are you guys doing together right now? Oh, yeah, man. I've been using Old Spice since I was trying to shave when I was 12 and I didn't have a single thing of hair on my face. I've, I've been using Old Spice products for years, man. Um, one of my favorite partners to work with, and it's, it's uh, even more true now knowing that uh, they have a 10-year commitment to increase high school graduation rates uh, with, in young males. And, uh, I mean, that's something that's very true and dear to myself. Um, I, know, I know when I was a kid, um, school might not have been the most important thing on my mind and uh, reiterating that, making sure that uh, kids are going to school 
and graduate and getting their uh, high school diploma um, because that's the first step in uh, in getting out to Who the Who are you kidding? World. I, I was there with uh, you when you and your brother raised like, I don't know, 80 grand to for like after school programming. This is something that you really care about. Oh, without a doubt, man. And it's uh, especially um, in the communities, uh, you know, of poverty areas that uh, that need that focus. And that's that's a lot of what I do with 87 mm-hmm. and running my foundation is I try to attack um, the the unfortunate, the, the underserved kids in the community that might not have those extracurricular activities or might not have the focus mm-hmm. during school um, to be able to, you know, do what they do what they really desire in life uh, and, uh, you know it's kind of the battle of the uh, the unknown they don't know that they enjoy robotics until they get a, a, a somebody in front of them to teach them how to mm. build one you know they don't know that they, that they don't love dude isn't you know, that crazy they have as you keep as you keep for going forward you meet some brilliant people and you don't even realize the world that could have been afforded to you as a kid like i'm experiencing that now i know you're experiencing yeah. that too Oh yeah, without a doubt, and, and uh, you know, I think uh, I think it was it was a beautiful upbringing for myself in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, because it was such a melting pot. It was so, so uh, multicultural and uh, like different ethnicities to different social classes, and uh, I really understood a lot of different walks of life and and the privilege that that came with that. Some some of my friends had more privilege, some of my friends had less less privilege than I did, and uh, knowing that that's you know relevant in a lot of communities out here. Uh, doing my best to try and you know bridge the gap of uh, of you know having kids have those resources um, is everything. Um, I have to tell you something. I think this is the best you've ever been. I think that you've reached a new height. Like I'm, I think this is. I, I don't think I've seen a better Travis Kelsey than what I'm seeing right now, man. You gotta, you gotta keep trying to get better, man. If your dreams ain't bigger than you, you ain't dreaming big mm-hmm. enough, man. And uh, uh, that's a quote from my one of my favorite players of all time, Deion Deion Sanders, man. And he, uh, he's shown he, he does an unbelievable job of making things relevant. And uh, and I think even now in my career, going in halfway through year eight, um, to keep stacking and, and to keep getting better at, at the things that, that uh, I find my weaknesses, you know, um, it's, it's, it's a nonstop battle. And, that, and, that's, and that's a great uh, way to kind of view life. In general, there yeah. he is. Ooh, the dirty bird too, baby. That's the original. That's the yes. rookie card. That's four armbands, two towels, an unstrapped chin strap, and a bandana. And it's the Red Falcons. Dion. So, how much? How much of your swag did you take from Dion? Because I know it's a little bit. And when I say take, I mean this. I mean this. We all have inspos and inspirations, and I feel like growing up, the era that we grew up in. In the early '90s, like Dion was the coolest person that ever existed. Coolest dude that you could you saw walk this earth, man. He talked. I think what I admired the most out of him as a kid was his confidence. You know, I was a kid. I was a lanky, you know, slow white dude that just. Oh, I saw had, it in Tyreek Hill's profile pic. You know I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, <laughs> Tyreek put me on blast. No, I, I, and it was I didn't have a lot of confidence mm. in what I was doing. You know, I kind of. It built over over the course of my high school career, um, but just in terms of walking into a room and feeling comfortable with who I was uh, as a person, I I didn't have that. And a guy like uh, like Deion Sanders or a guy like Brett Favre, you know, that it just oozes out of them. 
you know, and uh, I, I definitely admire I want to fix that. something, too, because I just showed you Dion's rookie card. I know you don't like this. We need no, to talk about no, this no. because no. – See, that's – that's just unfair because it, it came at an unexpected I need time. to know the story. Um, For people um, that don't know, I'm holding up Travis Kelsey's rookie card. I have seen now thousands of rookie cards. Some are in the jersey. Some are in action. There are some at the combine, but they're doing like combine drills. And Travis is wearing an Under Armour American flag t-shirt. And he is very clearly fake catching the ball. And then right after this, looked at the cameraman was like, it's going to make it seem like I'm like, oh, yeah. I need you. I I, I I hate that card, man. I hate that card so bad. A little kid, little kids will come up and ask me to sign, and I'll just be like, gosh, you guys couldn't find a better card. What, is, what happened? Uh, it was, so, so this is what – so when you're coming out of college, they're, they're looking for uh, – the top prospects all go to, like, rookie – some like yes. the rookie day. Like, and, and that's where you see them all kind of posing in their jerseys and, you know what I mean? They're, they're NFL jerseys. Uh, and then the guys like me who didn't who weren't big enough name to go to the stuff like that was I just I got an invite to the combine and I just took a picture in the Under Armour room at the back. I have no affiliation with Under Armour other than that picture right there. Like I, I've never, I didn't really wear it growing up. Didn't haven't really been that big of a fan of them. Click clack uh, since I've been Click, in the league. Shout out to Under Armour. Shout out to Under Armour. But it's just that, that it just made no sense, and I have to see it for the rest of my life. And that picture and the the pose and everything, I was just listening to what the camera guy was telling me to do, and I was just like, oh yeah, yeah, just like this. Ooh, ooh, I'm catching the ball. Like, ooh. I, I think that I'm gonna, I might make it my life's work to figure out a way to get you a different. They call it in the hobby a true rookie. Change that, yeah, because I I feel I laugh at it. It makes me laugh so much. Help the guy out, man. Come on, we got to get. We, I, I got a million pictures from back then. That's way better than that one, man. We, uh, we were looking at pictures of old Chiefs, me and my producer David Ingber, and even Tyree Kill's picture. And the thing that we love is the white turtleneck. There's something about Chiefs that it makes me think of Elvis Gerback and Steve Bono. But the white turtleneck, uh, I don't know if it's officially been like brought back, but if there's a guy to do it. Oh, I've been rocking it okay, year good. in, year out, man. The thing is, the turtleneck's it's gotten shorter, so it doesn't come up here to your mm. jawline anymore. It only comes, like, right here, so you can kind of just barely see the it. mock turtle. Um, guys, like, I remember the joystick, man, Dante Hall. I mean, he was out there just nonstop, full full arms, white arm sleeve and turtleneck. Um, legendary. Him, mm. Priest Holmes, the whole gang back there in the early 2000s. Um, or mid Better cook. Tyreek. Or Tyron Matthew? I don't – I couldn't even tell you. I'm going to say, man, that is a great question. I would say Tyreek has not cooked a meal in at least a year. I would say that. <laughs> um, I, I know it's because I he probably Tyron, has a chef. Has, I mean, they both have – they both have kids. That's the thing. So I feel like at some point you got to make Mac and cheese or something, kids, right? I mean, that's just like, yeah, you know what I mean? Something. Um, and uh, gosh, Who do you think is the best cook on the team? I have no, the best cook on the team? Mitchell Schwartz. Really? Is it? Mitchell he's like Schwartz. a barbecue guy? He's a, yeah, he's a pit master. He actually, uh, on, the, on the Chiefs Network and on his social media, he actually has a, 
a cooking uh, mm. episode or a cooking show kind of going. It's uh, people it's usually good. ask best dancer, who's the worst dancer on the Chiefs? Another good one, man. We got my guy Brian Witzman back. Uh, he's been known to break a move and just just looking hysterical doing it. But I think I think those guys are arguably my mm. favorite dancers. Oh, the yeah. ones that you know what I mean don't really have the best of rhythm or the best moves, but they're just putting Their it all out there. Knees and elbows are um, angry at guy, each other. Guy maybe Austin, Austin Reader. Reader. But nice. Writer, golly, he hates he hates it when everyone messes uh, up his name. What a uh, guy. What a guy. Typically the offensive lineman, because I'll start doing a dance in the end zone, and now you just see the offensive lineman awkwardly coming up from uh, behind, yeah. like, oh, we're in the end zone, baby. Let's I always feel bad for the last guy to get down for the team celebration, and they're breaking before he gets there. I, it, My heart always goes out to that guy. Uh, yeah, sometimes you got to make an educated decision of, you know what, I'll just meet him at the, I'll just meet him at sideline. Oh, I didn't tell you this. So I drafted you in one of my fantasy leagues. I told you that. Um, I traded for you in another one. So you're on both squads, bro. And I just got to say for all the Travis Kelsey fantasy guys out there, we appreciate you because you literally, I think you might be the most valuable fantasy player in the league. That's saying a lot, man. That's saying a lot, especially because I don't know. Jack did the main thing is there's like no tight ends that get you points. And then you get like 20 points a game. So when people see you, no tight ends points. There's tight ends out here balling everyone. Not as hard as you. That's what you need. Like in the fantasy perspective, it is you and then it is everybody else. So what I'm telling you is not only do you make it great for me, there's some poor schmuck over there that pulls up his fantasy app and sees you and then texts me and goes, shit, you got Kelsey. I'm telling you. All I'm going to say is you might want to trade me because karma is coming back because right i said now. that i feel like i know that's not a thing so with tyreek hill and Le'Veon bell are going to get all the touchdowns oh that's karma. okay as long as you oh but and now i'm a chiefs fan because of you so i'm okay with that we got you we got you on the afc side I feel great I'm about it you. um my my one last thing for you was uh, I feel like you've never done an interview and didn't talk about Pat. So I have one question about Pat. Um, I Love feel it. like Love he that. doesn't do anything bad. And I know that people go, well, he puts ketchup on steak, whatever. Is there anything that Pat <laughs> is not good at? Man. Um, Driving, golfing, like eating. No, he played he can hit him pretty good on the golf course. He can play. He's a really good ping pong player. Um, I would say Whistling. that I don't know if he can whistle. That's actually a good one. I've never heard him whistle. Um, I would say he's not great at singing, but then there's that adorable video of him as a kid singing Jingle Bells oh, or yeah. something like that. And it was, uh, I would say I, for the most part, I know I can beat him in, in, in a shooting game and not, not guns and basketball Ooh. shooting, like a, like a three point shooting game. I could probably I can get him in that. That's about the only thing I've I feel at. like if he was here he might argue with you. But I don't know. I don't know. It's been pretty lopsided. Kind of hard really? to argue with. Like are we talking lopsided. like HORS to H type of situations? Maybe not okay. that drastic, but yes. Tight ends. Now you're a good basketball player. I'm hearing Richard Rodgers is a great basketball player. Antonio Gates. It's a, it, it makes sense, man. It makes sense. And when you think about all the routes 
Uh, and when you think about the body position, the ability to go up and get the ball, having soft hands, um, and, uh, and being able to square up in the middle of the field and, and big body, almost like you're mm. in the post, uh, catching a ball. I think, uh, I think it translates – the game just translates good mm. for you. You just have to have good feet and uh, the, abil- the ability to go up and catch a ball. And, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of guys I, – I, 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 at a young age, I always kind of like – when we were playing pickup games, if I didn't hadn't seen a guy play uh, football before, but I've seen him play basketball, I kind of made that assumption. Like, oh, all right, he can, mm. he can hoop. I, I'm going to take him. I'm going to take him. If you can I hoop, it, it goes to everything in life. It really does. Right? Uh, we are we are here with Travis Kelsey because of Old Spice. We're appreciative of both. I have a little bit of a, of a thing, though. I feel like you and Old Spice could have a crazy marketing campaign. Travis Kelsey – uncovered and here's the idea before the year you put on old spice you don't wear deodorant for the next however many weeks because as your stench gets worse linebackers and safeties uninterested in covering you and you all and you have a celebratory old spice at the completion of the season what do you think it could be called travis kelsey stinks yeah, and I think everyone that comes to my house is going to not appreciate that. Support um, or get out. I love my lady, Kayla, all my friends that, that are in and out of the house, uh, all my teammates that have to deal with this on a daily basis. Um, I would really have to think about that one and just like kind of lay it out there and, and, and make a educated decision. Um, but I am not opposed Good. to that, Old Spice. Awesome. Travis, you are the man. And again, with Old Spice, they are also partnering with Black Boys Documentary Producers to promote an education curriculum based on the film. And if you want to learn more, visit Old Spice's social channels. Travis, pleasure as always. As always, Adam. You're the man. man We'll holler, brother. Peace. Hear ye, hear ye. These are the three... Crack Commandments with Bill Krakenberger. It is now time for my guy, Crack Daddy. Uh, Crack, guess I don't have any fucking internet right now because of Spectrum. I'm just saying this. Hey, Spectrum, get your shit together. So I don't have any of the lines. I have nothing. So you really are going to be my guide today. Uh, first and foremost, First and foremost, uh, start where we always start. Crack wins app. Download it. My guy Bill Krakenberger got a podcast, got content, got picks, everything. Check it out. Secondly, what's the buzz right now, dude? Over seemed to be dead. What's the buzz? Yeah. Um, speaking of dead, uh, are you there? Okay, okay there you are. Okay, good. <laughs> good. That was cool. Hey, this is a hey, this is live, unfiltered, it spontaneous. Is. Love it. It is. Love it. That's the way I choose right, to do. Ball, so what's the buzz? What, what's the big talk right now that everyone's having? Well, you know, everyone is freaked out about this Raiders game, uh, Adam. I'll tell you right now. Uh, now it's up to 17 people out for the Raiders for their Sunday game. Uh, 13, of wow. which, 13 of which COVID-related. So just think about this. They have to have, I think it's five straight days of of, uh, you know, negative tests. That's not happening now. So this is a real big thing in, in, in uh, the sports betting world, at least the local Las Vegas and national NFL world. Mm. 
because this line opened up around seven, went down. The wise guys actually hit it. It took the Raiders plus the six and a half. I mean, and plus seven went down to six and a half off the board at most places. And now today coming back a solid eight, even some eight and a half coming up there. I wow. expect when this information gets out there, this game can creep towards 10 by the time kickoff starts. It's, by the way, for everybody out there, this is Kansas City, Oakland, uh, Las Vegas. Remember, this is Andy Reid off of a bye, historically phenomenal off of a bye. And the Chiefs already lost to the Raiders this year, and it was on a lot of big plays. Henry Rugg deep ball, Aguilar deep ball. and a, So you know not only are the Chiefs going to be motivated, it's Andy Reid off of a bye, and you just told me about a third of the, the Raiders roster might not be eligible for the game. It's like the whole defensive line. I mean, this is this is big information. Uh, most of the major and sports it's not like that defensive line was getting a lot of pressure anyway. Right, they've taken it off the board in most places, but it's going to come back mm. up here. And uh, listen, it's really hard to beat a team twice throwing almost the college sports almost impossible. Even the NFL, it's tough beating a team twice. Like you talked about all those long plays that were involved in the first game. I, I this is this this is a great game right now. I just looked at this game coming back up on the board. If this game is going to settle around eight and a half, nine, nine and a half, those are the teams I love teasing. Those are the teams. So you would you would take the Chiefs down to down two, under seven, under three. I, I I didn't do that yet. I did that teaser, which I'm going to give you later. But that particular mm. teaser, I didn't do it because the line was like seven. So that, that's a big buzz here in, uh, in Las Vegas. That's a big buzz, that, that game, because uh, it's being played in Vegas here. And people, even though there's no fans, it's people come to town. You wouldn't believe Raider Nation packs the – Really? You know how – you know how you talked about in Jersey that you could get a different line for an Eagles game in Atlantic City than you could elsewhere? Do you get different – because but like yeah. the casinos in Vegas are international casinos – seemingly do they get different vegas line, raiders lines in there versus jersey on a normal sunday they would but not versus a public team mm. like kansas city mm. so kansas city has like everyone loves the former super bowl champions whoever they may be uh it's also so Mahomes. it's the chiefs they're they're phenomenal yeah they, they are no they they really are and uh uh they're odds on to win the the Super Bowl, they're plus three to one everywhere on future books where the closest team next to them. There's like 16, there's like a plateau uh, of like, you know, six teams that are six to one, seven to one, eight to one, six to one, seven to one. I mean, no one's three to one. So the, the Kansas City is the big favorite to repeat. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's funny, one of those sports books here, the Westgate puts up, it, you have to tie up your money for a decade, but hopefully you're alive for 10 years. Will the Kansas City Chiefs win one and a half Super Bowls over under the next ten years? I find that interesting. An interesting bet they put up. So will they um, win one? Will they win two in the next will they ten win years? Two? It's one and a half under. By the way, it's under. So the people that have bet this have pushed this to no. They will not win two Super Bowls the next ten years. Interesting bet. Wow, because I'll tell you what, as soon as Patrick Mahomes signed that $500 million contract, the big question was, will he win over under two and a half? So the, like, the public was talking about three Super Bowls in addition to the one that he already had. Yes. That's interesting. This, so which this, way do you lean on that? Thing, uh, listen, I, I have to 
this this kid's unbelievable. This team's unbelievable. Can they really fall apart in a matter of two, three, four years? I may have to be a little bit join the squares here and bet the over one and a half. Yeah, because this is the reason why. Is let's use Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson drafted in 2012. Russell Wilson gets a Super Bowl very early on in his career. That window went on. He played in two Super Bowls early. And then even if what happens to Russ happens to Mahomes, where there's a four-year gap, it comes back again once you're able to fix the salary cap. So the real question that you're doing is, is will the surrounding cast and Andy Reid stay for a while with Patrick Mahomes? One and a half is interesting to me. I'm always the one, though, that says with injuries and stuff, it's hard to bet on the future. But if you're telling me there's value in over one and a half, man, that's tempting. There might be, but, you know, I wouldn't bet this type of bet because I don't want to tie my money up for 10 years. I could double my money. The old rule seven, I could double my money some other way. No doubt. Rather than a football. No doubt. Um, Okay, rest of the slate. What what have been – have there been any big movements other than Raiders, Chiefs, and everything regarding this, uh, the COVID testing? Not really, you know, it's unlike earlier in the season when everything was moving early Monday morning. That's not happening anymore. Literally, three games were hit a little bit this week. No giant moves. Uh, Green Bay, Indianapolis opened up 49. I'm looking now, it's 51 and a half, 52. So that did move towards the over. Did not matter. They're still moving. Uh, they're still bending over on a lot of these games. I'm gonna, I'll give you the opposite, though. Um, you know, we don't know what's going on with Breeze in this game. Maybe that's the reason why the wise guys bet the under. This game opened up 51, New Orleans and Atlanta. Yeah, the wise guys have hit this on the under. It's down to around 50. So uh, That doesn't make sense under. to me. What's that? I feel like going from Drew Brees to Jameis Winston is only going to increase points. And I'm not saying that wow. Jameis Winston's going to run the offense better, but I'll tell you, motherfucker, I'll tell you, you know who doesn't throw pick sixes? Drew Brees. You know who throws pick sixes? Jameis Winston. I think Jameis Winston's erratic play leads to higher scores. I said this on Monday, too. Jameis Winston has had a, a lot of success in his career playing against the Atlanta Falcons. He's very comfortable playing them because he was in the NFC South all those years. So this is not a defense that he's not used to facing. I just – I feel like Jameis Winston – like, I have higher hopes – for Saints receivers in fantasy, I have higher hopes for totals because Drew Brees will manage a game where Jameis Winston will try and win a game. And I think it's much harder to rein him in. That's The fact that I could get a Bucks falcons game at 49, the, the reason, though – no, excuse me, Saints-Falcons. Um, I'm going to have to make that one of my bets. That's really interesting. I, yeah. Well, listen, you're good at this kind of stuff, too. You know, last week – I believe, I'm not 100% positive, but I'm 99, that you had over uh, Buffalo and yeah. Arizona. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you, because um, th- did you watch that yeah. game? Oh, the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I bet that uh, one in real life, too. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that they, they scored two late touchdowns there, and of course, the crazy, crazy touchdown at the end. But um, did, you, did you get a good number on that game? Do you remember what you had on that game? Um, 55. I think it's okay. so not a great number. Um, no, but, but needed that touchdown. Good. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. let me say, like, 
Arizona, it made me think of Arizona-Baltimore last year that me and Warren bet, where Arizona is so good. You're, you're looking for opportunities, and they settled for so many field goals early in that game, Arizona-Buffalo. Both teams did. What only kept me in the game is that Zane Gonzalez hit all of his field goals for Arizona. And they, they kept having success driving down the field, but settling for field goals or playing safe. It's the one aspect of Cliff Kingsbury that everyone deems him one of these new age play callers, but he is not as aggressive as these other new age play callers. The Kyle Shanahan's of the world, that fourth and two, they're going for it. Cliff Kingsbury is a punt or a field goal on fourth and two guy. And sometimes I need to remember that for my over under bets. But yeah, that was not a bet that I was comfortable with. At I the think end they of had that game. six field goals. I think they had six field goals in the first half. They did. Any one of them could have been touchdowns. It's like it was so frustrating for me betting over first half. Um, yeah, like you said, and it, I really – that's a very interesting angle, the Kingsbury angle. That's very interesting. So uh, maybe he's just not aggressive enough to uh, – and you should put that in the equation – on well, I'm starting to see betting. something that happened to young Russell Wilson a lot, which is like we the, the Cardinals get a lead, which they did have over Buffalo last week, and they start playing very safe. And then when they lose that lead, they look at Kyler and they go, please save us, Kyler. And he's now done this multiple weeks, but that's what they used to do to Russ. And it killed me with Russ because I was like, no, and, and just play aggressive all the time, which is what we got with Russ in the beginning of the season, and now he's all out of whack. Um, oh, yeah. But um, you said that you had a, a teaser for me. Yes. Don't tease me. Teaser. Yeah. This is an interesting one. <laughs> this might be the only time of the season. Well, actually, it's going to be the only time of the season that I'm going to tell you that Green Bay plus nine and a half on a teaser. It just doesn't sound right. Uh but, yeah, well, there's, there, there's twos out there. There's two and a half out there on one of the major sports books. Um, you know, you, a teaser here where you're teasing a team through the key numbers of the three and seven are always good also. I don't like teasing road teams too much, but I feel a little bit safer this year with no uh, home team advantage for a lot of the games, and then some of them only have 25% capacity. So I, I'm going to go with Green Bay here and tease them up through the three and through the seven. And I'm also going to tease the second part of that, the home team, which I like teasing more. Uh, and like I said, even a six-point teaser is good here. Houston, New England. I'm going to tease Houston uh, through, through, up through the seven and seven and a half at home versus New England. And then I'm going to so, – so I'm teasing Houston home and I'm teasing Green Bay also. But now and so that, what are the final lines with your tease? Just so, so that would make it Houston what? I'll, I'll put them both at. I'll give you the worst lines on the board, which is one yeah. and a half. So I'll say a six-point teaser with the one and a half teasing. So I'll take Houston plus seven and a half, and I'll take Green Bay plus seven and a half. Now, mm. again, did not this board, this game was not on the board at the major sports books, which means it wasn't up the Kansas City game. Now that I see Kansas City in this mix, I, I, I may want to take Kansas City involved in a teaser here too. Uh, you know, when I could tease Kansas City to just winning the game, it's it, now this looks like a sucker bet. Let me tell you, these look like yeah. sucker bets. I understand, and that's why you're you're laying a lot of juice on these too. I don't like to lay more than a dollar thirty on my on my seven point teasers and a dollar twenty on my six point teasers. So I do like that teaser. Uh, I'm giving that out to all my all my crack wins guys, the Houston and Green Bay teaser, and uh, yeah, let, let's stick with that. Let me tell you something too. 
There's games that are circled here that aren't even on the board yet. Detroit, Carolina, no line. Miami, Denver, no you line. You know why? Well, what's, what's your original take on Detroit, Carolina? What's your, your gut? Original? Or what's your, what's, your num- what's your numbers telling you? Well, actually, actually, um, I actually would like Detroit here because they, they put it up, of course, Sunday night when the original line came out. Detroit plus the three points. And now it's off the board. I don't know what it's coming back at. There's it's a, because Stafford has a torn tendon in his throwing thumb. So they don't know the uh, status of That's, it. Actually, that, I thought about fading Detroit when I read that news because I'm sitting there going, okay, well, what happens after the first series if Matt Stafford goes, I can't fucking play? And you got Chase Daniel going for the rest of the game. Yeah, you know, and I just clicked on the urgent injury thing, which is an excellent feature here on this. And, of course, come McCaffrey out. Uh, Matt Stafford, thumb, question. Teddy Bridgewater, knee, question. So there's a lot of questions Ooh. here for, for, for quarterbacks and, 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 uh, and of course, uh, McCaffrey, we know. But, I mean, th- th- I just don't know. How do you – I'm surprised here we sit uh, almost the weekend and no line yet. Usually by, by Thursday there's a lineup on these games somewhere. No lineup on that one. The injury um, reports today of- will be big indicators for that. I think they're waiting yeah, for those yeah. officially to come out. We record this early in the sure. afternoon. And especially when you got a quarterback, you, you, you definitely don't want to put a line up there and take a chance and get only one-way action because let's just face it. I'm telling you, the wise guys, they get – I say wise guys, the sharp guys. Uh, they get injury information sometimes quicker than the line services, the odd screens mm. that control the world, the sports betting world. You'll see guys that are on – that literally find out. Do they stuff. know people in the organizations? Well, you know what? People in the organizations love to talk. And I'm talking about not the players, not the coaches. Maybe it's a, it, it's a guy that's a trainer or a trainer assistant or someone's family. That's right. You can actually follow people's family uh, that you know are active on social media, and you could find out some nuggets of information before mm. anyone in the public. I'm telling you. What do you think Schefter gets his, uh, you know, his information a lot of times? Um, I hope I'm saying his name all right. Um, but, yeah, he gets a lot of his information, uh, you know, not secondhand. It comes from, from people like that, too. He doesn't ever reveal his sources. It doesn't come from uh, Las Vegas odds makers, that's for sure. No. Who are the – are there any lines this week that did not pass the uh, Krakenberger fishy smell test? You know, it does. It, that has. I haven't had that at all. The fishy line really? thing happened in the past couple of weeks. I'll tell you, it's uh, the lines get better and better as the weeks go on, as the season progresses. So then, how do you adjust? Well, you know, we bet. I'll bet less games. I actually bet less games now. I'm, I'm still betting a lot of college football, even though I just checked before we came on air. Fifteen games off the board this week. Fifteen games canceled. Oh, man, I hope we get college basketball in here. Of course, we know the Ivy League already canceled. They're not having no college mm. basketball. But um, it, it, as, this, as we get into the flu season, and uh, it, it just seems Did you like bet on the NBA draft? No, I didn't this year. No, I did not bet. NFL draft? Woof. I'll get as much down as I can. I get really good information on the NFL draft. But uh, no. Really? Yeah, NFL, dra- NFL draft is a different animal because you can bet – which guy over under how, where he goes, and uh, not only the teams they go to, but where they go, what 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 in what order they go. So, uh, like you know, you, you'll have uh, different guys 
and uh, on different teams. It's amazing. You can actually bet like the same guy on three different teams and have positive EV because you're getting 10 to 1, 12 to 1, and 5 to 1. And if he goes to one of the three, NFL draft time is some of my favorite time. I can't believe. We're going to get you have on back around the NFL draft. I didn't know you were so deep in that. That's oh, great. The last two seasons, it's been unbelievable how much, how profitable. We made, we made, I had a bunch of our draft guys on and we did draft props and they went like seven and one. I'm telling you, this year, the sportsbooks lost on drafts. The sportsbooks definitely lost draft betting. Hell all yeah. these folks that took draft betting, all the sharks and the squares were all winning on draft betting this year. Like you said, your guys went 7-1. and one. I don't know anyone in Vegas that have lost on NFL drafts Hell this year. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I love when the public can make some money. That just that gets me excited. Yeah. Uh, overall, oh, it's fun. It's fun. are you betting? We're recording this Thursday afternoon. Are you betting at all on Seattle, Arizona, Thursday night football? No, I'm, I'm not. Bet I'll, I'll have a ton of bets on prop bets. I'll have a lot of proposition bets, especially this kind of, this, this kind of a game where it's 50. I'm looking at the line right now. So it's three, three dog 20 and 57, 57 and a half and a couple books. Um, this kind of line, when there are high lines like that, they, they tend to, to set the proposition bets way too high. So I'm an under guy. I like betting under on proposition bets. Um, I don't like to have to win my bet by having to do something on the field. I like already being a winner. On so are you, targeting, are you targeting DK, Hopkins, Lockett? Who, who's the guy that, that you're seeing some lines with, whether it's wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks, that you think it's too high? You know, I'll, I'll always go, uh, and exactly, I'll go, I don't really do so, so many, like, wide receivers, but I'll do, like, the quarterback unders. I love doing quarterback unders because they're – Yeah, what are, the, what are the yards right now for Kyler and Russ? Do you have them up in front uh, of you? I, I, can, I can pull them up. Hold on, I can pull them up. Let's, let's do this to, live. I'm very curious. So, so when you are betting an individual standalone game, a Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, with a high total – you believe that the props are often made too high because this is the one thing that people can bet on tonight. Yes, yes, okay. I have all I have the, the props in, right in front of me. So uh, let's see, player props. Thursday night props. Do they have player props up yet? Yeah, let's uh, see this. Yes, We're going right. live Here. into crack, looking at We're the lines. Live. We are live. Let's go. Uh, Murray touchdown pass is one and a half over minus a dollar eighty-five. Oh, that, Kyler Murray, over a dollar. So that means you have to lay almost two to one. That'll have two touchdown passes over a dollar eighty-five. No opinion on Scary that. Everything with Kyler is he might run one in and take that opportunity away. That's right. Two eighty-four and a half is passing yards for tonight. So they're saying he's going to have two eighty-four passing yards. Uh, let me give you the fun one that you just mentioned too. Kyler Murray rushing yards. I, I honestly can't believe it's this high. I, I just – it doesn't Let me look guess. Right. Let me guess. A, I'm going to say yeah. it's at 75. It, it's 61 and a half. That's, That's so ridiculous, though. You, you, know what, you know what? When you see rushing yards by a quarterback, you know what they normally are? 15 and a half, 12 and a half, 3 and a half. Some of these guys that don't rush at all. I mean, to see 61 and a half on a player, oh, my God. That's unbelievable. And, you know, you're right. Will he score a touchdown? Will he score a touchdown? He's a favorite, minus 160, to, to run a touchdown in. So, oh, 100%. Uh, He's had a touchdown yeah. run in every game this year. Oh, I know. All right. Well, there you go. I didn't know that, but I said I know that. What about Russ? Because Russ has been off the last two games, so I'm curious where they put Russ's totals at. Uh, hold on. Wilson, uh, well, they put him at two and a half touchdowns because they know Murray runs 
compared to him. So two and a half is his touchdowns that he's going to, going to get. His yards, way more, 307 and a half. Now, I'm looking at Circa. They're more conservative. So this is more of an under book. Um, so I'll, I'll let you say it's 310 yards for him. Um, they're saying his completions at 27. Uh, his, mm. his rushing yards at 31 and a half. So there you go. Mm. So this, this to give you the example, uh, Murray almost double rushing yards than uh, Wilson. So, yeah, he's, he's 31 and a half. Very interesting. What was the – you gave me some other guys you said. Lockett? Did you say Lockett? DK Metcalf, the two, DK Metcalf, Lockett, and Hopkins. I'm Lockett? just curious where they're set at. 63 and a half is, is, is Lockett's yards over. Because he's banged up. He's questionable. If you bet that under right now and he ends up not playing, do you win the bet? Uh, if he ends up not playing, most of the legit sports books that are very good, like Circa here, if he doesn't play, if he's not on, on the eligible list – you get your money back. But a place like Station, oh. a place like Station Sportsbook, which are the billion dollar billionaires for that own stations, uh, the station is an action bet. So they want you to bet all the guys there because they're hoping they can rob your money. Um, and and I, I hate that. I hate that. I, I like to play. So Lockett was 65, you said? Uh, 61 and a half, I believe. Hold on. 63 and a half. 61 and a half. Yeah, 63 and okay. a half. And will he score what about touchdown? Decal? Will he score a touchdown? No, is minus. 165. So this this is a it, it, listen. People love betting prop bets too. So this is an interesting of subject. Of course, it's fun. Yeah, this is a good subject we got on this week. Um, uh, let's see. Let me see. They, they had field goals listed for both teams, three and a half. So to, total combined field goals. Here's an interesting prop. And uh, some of the sports books put this up, and it's very. This is a popular Super Bowl bet for me. The Cardinals Seattle. Tonight's game, Cardinals Seahawks. I'm sorry, shortest touchdown, one and a half yards under a dollar sixty-five. Now it sounds like, man, one and a half yards. Like, but I want to tell you something. It's a favorite. It comes out most of the time. They're usually when on, DK Metcalf gets that that pass interference in the end zone, and then they put the on the one yard line. Yeah, no doubt. This is why AL, you're the guy. I saw, again. I was wait. So you it. always take yes. You always take under one and a half. Not always, but situationally, because you just said it. It's the pass yeah. interference that people don't think about. That's the reason why this is a, usually a good bet in the Super Bowl. Or this pass interference, you get the ball on the one-yard line. Uh, they get in, you win the bet. Wow. So when that happens and the ball's on the one-yard line, you're telling me like every better that took the over is begging for a false start or a holding penalty or something like that. Of That's course. great. I love that. Yes, yes, yes. Here's a, here's a bet that always looks good to people, too. I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many people out there that get sucked in by these kind of bets. The alternate spread. So you're looking at a game and you're saying, whoa, the Seattle plus three and a half at home? You could bet that instead of Seattle laying three. Uh, you could bet that home or you're – you have to lay 260 on this. So uh, it's not as easy as a bet as you may think when you're laying almost three to one, which means that you, know, you have to win this bet, you know, two and a half times. Seattle's at minus three and a half right now? Seattle's minus three. It was three and a half. It's three now, minus three. And, uh, you know, on these alternate lines, they're, they get crazy. You could layer take three and a half, layer take seven and a half, layer take ten and a half. It's just different fun ways to, to, bet, to bet the game. Seattle this year at home has allowed everybody to go off. There's one thing that I was looking at earlier this week. Cam Newton, he's never looked better than the one game in Seattle. Kirk Cousins, they hung up 27-plus on them. Um, 
every team that has gone there, the, the scores have been in the 50s or 60s. And it really is interesting. This feels like the ultimate back up against the wall movement for the Seattle Seahawks. That this to me is, if Kyler Murray wins this game, he is now the favorite for the MVP vote, in my opinion. If Russell Wilson has a big game, he throws himself back into the MVP. The NFC West and the divisional records are on the line right now. For me, there are so many future bets that are huge impacted based on the game tonight because of the star power. Look, DK Metcalf took a huge step back last week in terms of finishing number one in the NFL in terms of receiving yards, like season-long type of stuff. This is a huge game, I think, for a lot of future bets tonight. I didn't think about that. There's a lot of different implications here you're talking about, MVP and, the, uh, you know, uh, this, this should be – If Kyler goes off tonight, he jumps clearly Mahomes for the MVP frontrunner. Because wow. think about what you said earlier with the Raiders. Even if he goes off, everyone goes, well, they were missing 17 players. But if, yeah. if he does it, and, and we're not factoring in that Kyler is going into Seattle where there's no fans and the experience, like, it's not that tough of a road game, you know? Yeah, um, no. And off that big high of that, uh, oh. you know, Hail Mary pass and, and winning that game like that. So that's interesting. This could be a better game than people think. You're probably right. This would be fun to watch. Shit. I don't know where I stand on it, though. I really need to think about it. More. So now, but, but Adam, will you have a bet on this game no matter what tonight? You'll have Well, the action. way that we're, this is what happens. I talk about something for 10 minutes, and then I go, I got to have action on it. I got to have <laughs> juice on it. Uh, and, and the fact that, mm, the fact that it's Seahawks by three, like my, my betting gut goes Seahawks because I go, I'm always expecting it to flip, you know, and like it's the highest high for the Cardinals and the lowest low for the Seahawks. And the Seahawks were up uh, 10 points and then lost to the Cardinals in Arizona. Like everything in my betting gut says Seahawks. Right. Um, Should be fun. Should be it fun. Should be fun. It'll be good. Just sit back uh, and watch a game and have no action. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> You're right. Because listen, man, I do in my in my sports cards, my two biggest investments heading into the season were Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. Oh, and man. it's you, you, uh, you. We've never really talked about this before. When you have big cards and when I say big cards, I mean like thousands of dollars and that they can really go up in value. When I to have a very expensive Kyler Murray card and for him to throw that Hail Mary pass. All of his card values jumped. Wow. And and it's it's really something it it gives me the same energy of a bet where I know that it's because once he starts becoming the favorite in the MVP voting, all of his card prices start going up. Okay. And the fact that those are my two guys and they're playing each other, it's a great experience because I'm not rooting against one side. I'm actually just rooting for these I'm rooting for the over. It's like betting on the over. For offense, offense. And so, yeah. it, in a way, it's like having two kids where you're just like, come on, Kyler, and you, you're like rubbing your cars, and you're like, come on, baby. It's it's really cool, man. It's a different experience. Wow. Well, good, man. Yeah, root for the game. Be a yeah. fan of those offenses. You know what it's kind of like? Oh, right. If you wanted to bet that Mahomes was going to win 
one and a half Super Bowls in the next 10 years, but you didn't want to lock up your money for 10 years, but you knew that you wanted to bet on Mahomes, buy a big-ass Mahomes card. Yeah. Because let's say he wins one, you could sell it after that. Right. And right. like it's and you that the, the other thing with these huge futures, I don't need to hold the card for 10 years. I can move it whenever the fuck I want. Sure. So the flexibility sure. of the investment is interesting too. This is turning me just pitching you on sports cards. No, it's funny. Shocking. I never thought about it. I didn't. I don't look at. I don't look at individual players' games or even betting or gambling as as that in that aspect. So this is a whole new thing to me. I never thought about it. Good luck with that. I yeah. love it. Come on, man, LeBron James. Oh, man, look at him. Oh wow, LeBron James. Okay, crack. I love you. Uh, hey, crack you wins that. app. Download it. Check it out. Thank you for dealing with my technical difficulties. You are the man. Thank you. See you next week. All right, buddy. See you, brother. So, David, I know that you have some playoff make or miss bets, a yes or no, that you wanted to kind of run by me and see what the possibilities are. So where do you want to start? Yeah, I want to start with the negative side of things. These are teams that are currently in position to make the playoffs, but you might get some favorable odds if you think they're the sort of team that might tail off in these last few weeks. Mm. So the Ravens are currently plus 650 to not make the playoffs. The Saints are plus 1100 to not make the playoffs. That's just a, a super anti-Jameis bet. Like if you think that, that Jameis is just going to be terrible with this offense mm. for whatever reason, plus 1,100 feels like pretty – Like I was saying to Crack, he becomes a little bit more erratic and the team's not used to playing with an erratic quarterback. That's interesting. Sure. And then the Colts at plus 240 if you think that you know Phillip Rivers won't hold up. The uh, interesting or... thing one is the Ravens. Yeah. I think out of all the ones you said, they're the ones because they are in a division where the Cleveland Browns are now 6-3. and three. They're an undefeated Steelers team, so they can't win the division. It seems extremely unlikely. They have injuries all over their defensive line. They've lost their left tackle. They just lost um, another big player recently whose name is slipping my mind. Uh, and they look completely out of whack. That's it. You said it was plus six what? Plus 650, so almost seven to one odds. I, I have to keep reminding myself that there's seven teams going to the playoffs this year. Yes. So you have to figure out who's taking that spot. So the Bills, we're going to say, are in. The Steelers, we're going to say, are in. Whoever wins the AFC South, let's say it's the Colts right now, they're in. The Chiefs are in. That's four. There's three other spots. That means that you're hoping for the Browns, the Dolphins, the Titans, and maybe the Raiders to take four spots because am i missing anyone else that could ambush them the patriots are lurking wow i'm just and saying, they have the tiebreaker on them now if you're trying to come up with teams that could theoretically get to eight nine ten wins uh the patriots are lurking mm. would you take that no bet for the ravens yourself or were you just floating it i was just floating it because i it's just one thing we hadn't talked about on this thursday show yet uh, we've talked about you know, who's going to get the most passing yards and what are the divisional odds? But this is just one that's kind of interesting this time of year. Man, that's so fascinating with the Ravens because you really could fade them. Every week, I think they're going to bounce back. Every week, I feel like we're going to get back to where they should. But now that it's such sure. good odds to not make the playoffs, I would tend to not make that bet just because I have more faith in the Ravens than the Raiders, Dolphins, and Browns. I just and, – and the Ravens beat the shit out of the Browns earlier this year, but that'll be interesting. Okay, now to the positive side. The positive side, actually, two of the teams you just mentioned, uh, these are the teams to make the playoffs that are not necessarily – in the standings to make it, but uh, Vegas, you're getting plus money for any of these teams to make the playoffs. So Vikings plus 155 to make the playoffs. 
Dolphins plus 118. We actually had them at like plus 145 a week ago, and then they had a nice win over the Chargers. So now they're actually down to plus 118, but still plus money to make the playoffs. And I think a lot of people are feeling like they're better than 50-50 shot to make the playoffs. And the Raiders at plus 163 to make the playoffs. Now this I thought was interesting heading into this particular weekend where with all the- I would rather take them after this week. Exactly. If you believe the Raiders are going to make the playoffs, wait a week. Maybe they're at plus mm. 190 or plus 210. Uh, Vikings. Uh, there's going to be a team in the East. We expect there to be three teams in the West. We expect there to be two teams in the South. And then it really is that NFC North. And so you have the Packers there. The Vikings right now, I don't know. I don't have the record in front of me. I don't have the internet. The Vikings, um, I believe, are four and five or maybe five and five. Hmm. They are undoubtedly intriguing as somebody that picked up Kirk Cousins on both fantasy teams because they play a very weak schedule coming up. It is there is a distinct chance that the Vikings could sneak into the playoffs. But what you would need on the NFC side is for either the Rams or the Cardinals or the Seahawks to fall out. I'm not betting against that. I feel like the NFC is pretty set. I feel like it's and tell me if you disagree with me here. It feels like. NFC East winner, Packers, Saints, Bucks, three teams from the West, that's your playoffs. Mm. I feel like that's what it's felt like for the last four weeks. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like that. But it, when you're in week 10, week 11, saying that you know all the playoff teams, you're always wrong. There's always some weird totally. team that's, that comes in and wins four of their last five games. And you're like, oh, my God, where do these guys come from? I mean, if the Seahawks lose on Thursday Night Football, and again, this is going to come out after the game so it could look crazy, but if the Seahawks looks to lose to the Cardinals, they are in a free fall. Yeah. And they are in a, when is this defense going to get real and get better? But they also, I know, have the Giants and Jets at home in back-to-back weeks in weeks like 13 and four, or 14 and 15 or something like that. Um, man, okay, very interesting. Uh, how did we do in our bets last week? Uh, I believe you went one and two, unfortunately. How did your How did your loser bet do? Oh, it was great. <laughs> uh, uh, what I'm was your loser bet? Oh my God! Wait, I totally forgot what it was. Because you made it on Sunday. Yes, I. Did. I know that my my like I just want my list was just trying to get to be on the San Francisco 49ers just in case. Uh, my love, I believe, was Arizona Buffalo over which did hit, and that was super big. What do you got for me? I totally forgot that I had made this bet, but I knew that it was going to be fine. It was plus 900. Neither the Packers nor the Jaguars make it to 20 points, and they both made it past 20 points. Mm. I, I was a little nervous for a second, though. It was like 17-10 for a long time, and I was like, okay, this is not good. You're right. It was like 40-mile-per-hour wins. Aaron Rodgers couldn't do anything. Yeah, but uh, the, the score ended up being 24-20, so I, I double lost that bet in the best way. We're, we're 0-10. We're killing it. And I think the other one I lost was Minnesota against Chicago. I think I took Chicago betting against Kirk Cousins in prime time, and he got his first ever win on Monday Night Football. So that's my fault, Chicago. My apologies. Right. Um, can you run me through the lines? I hate doing this. I don't have internet. I don't know what to do. Yeah, no problem. Um, I'm definitely leaning right now in one of my bets, and I hate doing it, but it's the time to bet on my team. Eagles plus three against the Browns. Okay. Uh, the, main, the main reason is this is a Browns team that scored 10 points last week against the Houston defense, and Houston's defense stinks. And if Nick Chubb – and that, now, now, listen, 
they that that should they should have covered the spread and they should have put up 17 if Nick Chubb goes into the end zone. Um, but I know that the one thing that the Eagles defense does well is stop a running back. It's the one thing their defense does well. And I, and I think that if Baker Mayfield is forced to play through the passing game, I hate betting on the Eagles, but I definitely like it. And I definitely like what Crack was saying before about Pittsburgh scoring over 27 and a half against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, but if I can get some other lines, I'd appreciate it. And I'm, I'm sorry. No problem at all, man. We got, we got internet to deal with these days. Uh, the Saints are currently favored by five over the Falcons. That was, that was a seven-point line. It actually came down to five. I need to know where the games are, too. In New Sorry. Orleans. Okay. Uh, Cincinnati at Washington. That's a one-point What's the line. total in that New Orleans-Atlanta game? 51. Okay. And that was the one that – didn't Croc say that that went from 51 to 49? Yeah, there's been some movement on that, um, but I, okay. I had it at 51 as of this morning. But again, you can shop okay. around. Uh, so we got Bengals at Washington. Uh, currently, Washington is favored by one point with an over/under of 46 and a half. Mm. Uh, Lions at Carolina Panthers. Um, that line is actually like not on the board in some places. Right. That's because both quarterbacks are hurt. Exactly. Uh, Patriots at the Texans. Currently. The Patriots are favored by one and a half points. I know. What did you think? That. What do you? Yeah. What do you think about that? <laughs> I think if the Patriots are serious about making the playoffs, and that was in doubt when they were almost about to lose to the Jets, if they were saying let's just throw this 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 season away and try to get a top ten draft pick, but then they go ahead, they beat the Jets, and then they beat the Ravens. Now they're saying we need to make the playoffs. If you have a chance of making the playoffs, you have to beat the Texans. This is one that's of those- a real like I. Like I was, there were there were plays last week with that Deshaun Matt Watson was making against Cleveland. Where I was like, wow, this guy is really phenomenal, and their inability to get yards, like the amount of times that Houston was on the goal line or in a third and one, fourth and one, and the Cleveland Browns stopped them, it was just constant. I, I, I continue to be just amazed at how how inept Houston is. So mm-hmm. definitely leaning New England there. That's interesting. But Deshaun Watson's always played well against them, but please continue. Uh, Then we've got Eagles-Browns. The Browns are currently favored by three. That was two points. Now they're favored by three. Um, A little Ralph Michaels stat for you. I have to do at least one every week. Third straight home game for the Browns versus second straight away game for the Eagles, right? And in that- Oh, that's even better. In that particular case, the home team is 62% against the spread since 2014. Wow, that's funny because I remember a statistic last year that teams are actually better on their second half of the back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, next game. Uh, I mentioned this one earlier, the Steelers at the Jaguars. We've got a 10-point spread there, and as I mentioned earlier, 47.5. That actually got bet down to 46.5 while we were talking. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's one less point of value if you like the under. Uh, Titans at Ravens. Ravens are currently 6.5-point favorites. And that's a 49-point over-under. Interesting stat that I found from the Action Network. Uh, opponents are 11-5 and five against the spread against Lamar Jackson when he's a home favorite. So it looks like Lamar, for his career, winning a lot of games but not taking care of business as a favorite when he's at home. Just thought that was interesting. Interesting. Betting that is interesting. Take them with a grain of salt, but I just thought that was a, totally, a noteworthy one. Totally, totally. Uh, Packers at Colts, uh, Colts currently favored by one and a half. That to me was my fishy line. If I was going to name one Colts favored by one and a half. Yeah. 
It was, it was actually two and a half earlier on the week. And then the, what, what is it about it? That's fishy to you. I just think, I just Packers like to hear your perspective. The Packers are a better team and Vegas is essentially saying that they're even by putting the Colts at two and a half point favorites at home. I just think there's, it, we, we talked to Aaron Jones. If people were listening to Aaron Jones, people are just hating on the Packers left and right. And they love proving you wrong every week. I, I will say this, that the the Colts defense at home is a different monster True. and they're able to get a lot of pressure at the same point. The weakness of green Bay's defense is their running game. And as someone that has had jo- Jordan Wilkins and Jonathan Taylor on their fantasy team this year, the Colts can't start running. They just can't run the ball hmm. with that offensive line. It's never made sense, but they, they can't really take advantage of what's the total on that game. 51. Interesting. Okay, next. Uh, Jets at Chargers. That's now an eight-and-a-half-point line. Um, You're not going to believe this, but the Chargers are favored over the Jets. It's actually not the Jets by eight. No way. No way. <laughs> 47 What's and the a half. total there? 47-and-a-half okay, is low. the over-under there. Yep. Uh, yeah, again, uh, if you think the Chargers are the ones that are going to make up that, the if you want to bet the, the Chargers over-under, that's probably going to be like in the 27-28 range. Mm-hmm. Next. Miami Miami Dolphins at Denver. Denver is the home dog. They are currently three and a half point dogs. With Drew Locke being hurt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then we have Cowboys at Vikings. Uh, Vikings, that was an eight point line. It's actually now down to seven. So a key number involved there. And Andy Dalton may be back. Correct. We don't, we don't actually officially know. But you tell you what, that Garrett Gilbert kid, he's slinging it. Yep. And the total on that game? 49 and a half. Okay. And then we've got hmm. Chiefs at Raiders. As we know, very difficult to beat Pat Mahomes. <laughs> very difficult to beat anyone twice in a year, but very difficult to beat Mahomes twice in a year, especially when half of your team has COVID. So this line is, as Crack mentioned, all over the place. It was six yep. and a half, then it was seven, then it got sort of sneaking up to eight, eight and a half in some places. And as Crack mentioned, it might be double digits mm. by game time. So if you like the Raiders for whatever reason, wait till game time, I would suggest. No doubt. Right? It might be 10 and a half by then. Absolutely. Don't seven and a half. Absolutely. Um, Andy Reid on the road is 39, 19 and one against the spread with the Chiefs. And in the division, he's 29 and 15 and one against the spread with the Chiefs. Yeah. So if you put those two stats together, when he's on the road within the AFC West, He's 17 and five Jeez. against this. And then after a bye, he's insane. Yeah. And then Monday night, we've got Rams at Buccaneers. That's a classic bucks by three, uh, 47 and a half is the total. Okay. The ones that are sticking out to me right away is, um, Tennessee is interesting to me. I also am very interested in the Green Bay Indy under. Mm. I feel as though um, I feel as though uh, Indy's defense is going to do a good job of focusing on a Devontae Adams and making it hard for Aaron Rodgers. And I don't have that much faith in Philip Philip Rivers. Uh, I'm doing it. I'm going to make the love Philly plus three, uh, which is sick for my emotion. But I don't think. I do not think Cleveland is that good, and I do not think the Eagles are that bad that we saw last week. So I'm going to go Philly plus three. Um, 
I wish there was a line where you could bet that Nick Chubb intentionally doesn't score again to make the cover. <laughs> if they're up like, you know, 12 to 10 and he just decides not to score, that would be two weeks in a row. I think people would lose their minds. Um, I am also going to take, uh, this is a, a weird, it's a low, it's a low total already. What, what, what is the line movement been on the total for Miami Denver? Miami. Has versus- it, yeah. Is there a way to see how it's moved? Um, I usually note when there's like a, a big swing. So the fact that I didn't note it suggests that there hasn't been much movement, but it's, it's currently 45.5. I could look up the most, the, the latest number. I'm just thinking the under because so much of Miami's points thus far have been on punt blocks and defensive touchdowns. And I don't think that's sustainable. And if Drew Locke's not playing, uh, which is a pot, I just don't think that Denver offense is going to have a lot of success. Um, let's make my list. Miami Denver under 45 and a half, which I know is low, but I, I just I also think the altitude will be an issue. Yeah, still 45. Uh, a lot of Yeah, so I want the under in that one as my uh, list. And then my one right in the middle, my like. Uh I'm going with your your old team. I'm going with the Patriots minus one on the road. Uh I think you're right. I think if they go down there and lose to Houston and their playoff is over. That just – it doesn't seem how this season's how supposed to end for the Patriots. It just doesn't. No, it's supposed to end when we lose to the Dolphins toward the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. That's how it ends. Yeah. It doesn't end unceremoniously in week 11. And Belichick brings a baton and literally passes it to Brian Flores at midfield. That's how this dynasty ends. So I'm going love Eagles plus three, like New England minus one, list Miami Denver under 45 and a half. I've never had a more random trio, but that's what we're going with. <laughs> sure. And you were going to announce your double loser on Sunday, correct? Every Sunday. Yeah. Just cause there's uh, far more fun bets. And when I'm, when you're looking for a nine and a one, 10 to one, 11 to one type bet, you always get some fun ones on Sunday morning that are not available. hundred percent, hundred percent. Uh, the production staff, thank you for dealing with all of my nonsense. Ingber, thanks for consistently dealing with my nonsense. I appreciate it. Uh, for David Ingber. Two words. Zoom Thanksgiving. Mm. I'm going to say uh, four words. Get it together, Spectrum! Uh, love you guys. <laughs> Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. Slide into the DMs. And, and you know what? Just slide into Ingber's DMs as much as you can. Just get in there. Really send them the goods. Love you guys.